All right, friends listening in Canada, of course, our friends in Montana can never forget about them. Um, in Newfoundland, in the United States, wherever you're listening, how's it going? It's uh, Clayton Croker, we got Justin Anderson, we got the uh, Maritime Mistress Maker, Patrick Marsh on the line, episode 10 of Bat Flips and Maple Dips, home games on the road. We are, of course, going to be talking about the uh, big series in Seattle. It's always a fun time when the Jays play in Seattle. It doesn't matter if you're there or watching. It's just it's just a time and a half. We're going to be talking about uh, some Hall of Fame snubs. We're going to be talking about the, the week that was, some prospects that are... Uh, coming up if you listen to the other episodes are basically the exact same but uh today's is going to be a little bit different of course you can listen to all the other episodes uh facebook uh facebook.com slash batflips maple dips on twitter at bfm d podcast soundcloud spotify google play music did i miss any friends napster kazaa limewire <laughs> I wish U Torrents. No, we're not on U Torrents anymore. on the Pirate Bay. Ah, uh, no, we have a trademark <laughs> infringement with them. We don't want to do business with them. Okay, guys, they are they are out. We don't like them. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. listen to us on all the legit things. Of course, iTunes, but uh, Twitter. I'm telling you, these guys, uh, they run the Twitter. Justin and Patrick, you guys are killing it on the Twitter. I'm, I'm not gonna lie. I'm. Uh, it's all Justin. Yeah, I'm more hilarious it's on that Twitter than I am on my own. I've kind of just abandoned my own Twitter at this point. Give <laughs> yourselves a uh, selfish Twitter plug here, fellas. Um, at Justin underscore Jbone. Sounds like a grade yep. five Hotmail address or uh, something like that. No, it's actually my Hotmail address was Wolf one Wow. Okay. Wow. Uh, Patrick, what's your first uh, Hotmail address before you get into the Twitter? I think it was just like my name. It was some. It was. It wasn't cool. Okay. Like Grey Wolf one. People, people who say that always have an embarrassing hotmail. So he just. Yeah, he just doesn't want to tell us. Just cool <laughs> underscore dude Bruins fan forty eight at hotmail dot com. I think mine was Crokestar or something like that. Crokestar. But I That's forgot the e, so it was like Crockstar. It was like horrible. <laughs> um, but Patrick, uh, of course, your old hotmail was more important than your Twitter. Selfish Twitter plug. Uh, yeah, I can be found at. The Platypus, P-L-A-I-D-Y-P-U-S-8-6. See, that was his Hotmail address right there. Platypus (laughs) underscore XOXO. Um, Okay, fellas. Um, By the way, at Radio Clayton, I have more followers than all of you. Boom, roasted. Um, (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) Uh, We're going to get back into the funny stuff in a bit. But first, um, Patrick has a little bit of a different version uh, of his rant today. It's It's a very serious one. Patrick, just take it away, bud. Yeah, so uh, today we lost one of Canada's great adopted heroes of athletics. Um, Stan Mikita came to Canada from Slovakia in 1948. Uh, Eleven years later, he became a Chicago Blackhawk in the National Hockey League. After a career that spanned four decades and parts of 22 NHL seasons, Makita had scored over 541 goals and 926 assists, good for 14th in league history. Uh, throughout the 1960s, Stan Makita was a perennial all-star and was widely considered the best center forward during this time. He won the Art Ross Trophy for league scoring title four times and also led the league uh, in points per game four times. He was a very creative forward who dominated the ice with uh, very slick skating and a knack for finding his line mate wide open when he wasn't scoring himself. Uh, Initially, he was a brutal hockey player known for taking penalties, but he turned over a new leaf partway through his career after his daughter saw him sitting in the penalty box often on television. Uh, Most importantly, Stan Mikita's legacy was his huge heart. In 1973, 
and most of the way through his NHL career, he partnered with a Chicago businessman to form the American Hearing Impaired Hockey Association in order to bring together hard of hearing and deaf players in the United States. He also founded the Stan Makita School for uh, the Hearing Impaired and also helped to bring the Special Olympics to Chicago. Uh, with a legacy that stretched across three countries and two continents, he inspired a generation of young players to take up the game of hockey. His charitable spirit and prowess on the ice isn't going to be soon forgotten. R.I.P. Stan Mikita. Well said, bud. Well said. I just want to say one more thing about Stan Mikita. Yeah. Obviously, a lot of people in our generation know him as like a reference from Wayne's World and the fact that he had a little cameo uh, mm-hmm. in the show, but... Uh, he also suffered uh, dementia in the latter yeah. part of his life, which is really sad. And I think it's important now that we've lost him to kind of remember, uh, look back at, at his career and the person that he was, uh, rather than what he was like the last eight or nine years of his life where he was really struggling with that illness. Uh, I don't want to end it on a, a dark note exactly, but I think it's important we remember um you know, the type of heroes like Stan Mikita, who, you know, found the ability to turn over a new leaf uh, partway through his life. Uh, and remember him as a great hockey player rather than um, arguably his more famous linemate who doesn't even deserve a mention uh, given what he's done off the ice. But mm. I digress. Well said. Well said. Let's get uh, back to some baseball talk here. Uh, we're going to talk about the week that was. Justin, do you want to start with the. Uh, the Oakland series before we dive into Seattle here. Or? Um, so what we can say about Oakland, um, we lost ten to one. Yep. We lost six to two. Yep. And we lost eight to three. Yeah. That's a wrap. Okay. <laughs> All right, it's done. It's over with. Thanks, Oakland. Why can we never play in Oakland? Oakland in the drop. We always play bad. Yeah, I mean the only guy who did anything that series really that surprises me as Russell Martin hit a home run so mm-hmm. good for him <laughs> great for him and 190 batting average Woo! now oh look he's out he's creeping he's creeping his way up I think it's a little bit higher now oh man he Start might hit 200 this year man good for him he earned it uh okay let's get to the uh Seattle series um again Justin uh let's start with you yeah what do you think about that Seattle series like man. from a Jays fan perspective how badly do you want to go to those series? I, I've been to Seattle. Um, unfortunately, it was a Red Sox-Mariners game, but I did get to see King Felix mm-hmm. wow. start, so that was fun. That was in, during his prime. Um, I've been to Minneapolis, which was also really fun. There were a ton of Jays fans down there. That's the closest ballpark to us mm-hmm. in terms of drive time. Um, so I, I went there, and beautiful ballpark at Target Field. But the Seattle thing, watching the like just like the time lapse of the, of the people streaming as the yeah. gates open, and it's all Blue Jays fans mm-hmm. for BP, and it's crazy how many of them are just like there. Mm-hmm. It's so much fun. I'd love to be on one of those buses that uh, heads down across the border and just get to the crossing and have the the customs officer come up, the border guards for the U.S., and just like see all these people just dressed in blue. Yeah. Oh, it'd be so like, sweet. Oh, uh, it just looks like so much fun. I, I need to go one of these years. Patrick, um, would you rather go to Minnesota or Seattle? You've seen both on TV, obviously. Which one looks better? Honestly, like, I've always thought Safeco Field looks like a gorgeous stadium to go to. Very uh, simplistic design, but it feels very, like, cozy, if that Mm -hmm. makes sense at all. If you've seen, like, the big, like, um, what do you call those shots that are, like, sideways instead of tall? Panoramic. Yeah, the panoramics, like it's just a gorgeous field. And I think they, 
they held the the All Star game a number of years ago, and for mm-hmm. some reason, I just remember that All Star game. Yeah, it's right next to the uh, Quest Field where the Seahawks play too. Like they're side by side, so you can actually see uh, Quest Field over the left field bleachers. So it looks really cool if you're sitting behind the plate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I yeah, I, to... I've always liked the Mariners, and I think it they kind of feel like a Canada light team. Yeah, um, yeah, and, and lots of people from Vancouver have like have tickets and that kind of thing because it's I mean obviously it's closer than Toronto yeah. by <laughs> a long shot. So uh, it's it's pretty cool. I mean it's it, they kind of call it down there. They call it the house that Ichiro built. So it's pretty cool because I mean when they had Griffey, they were still playing their old stadium. Yeah. for the most part. So uh, the Kingdom, Ichiro, yeah, yeah, Ichiro is kind of the guy who him and like Edgar Martinez and, and Felix are kind of the, the guys that they look up to that in that current stadium. It's pretty cool. I don't know about you guys, but a lot of people on my Instagram and Twitter, they were at that series mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. you're just so jealous of I them know. too. Like they're always posting oh, yeah. photos yeah. and people on Snapchat are the worst about it because you can send just so many and they <laughs> go away. I don't really go on the Snapchat a lot, but oh man, I remember a few yeah. years ago my friends would go to that series, just snap after snap after snap from that game mm-hmm, and it looks so mm-hmm. fun. I've been to a few uh, Minnesota and Jays games in Minnesota, and that atmosphere is pretty it's awesome pretty cool too, too. But it's just on the home side, so like where yeah. the Blue Jays dugout is, it's all yeah. blue, and then the rest of it is Twins fans. In Seattle, mm-hmm. it's just Jays fans. It's yeah. all Jays fans. Seattle fans, I don't even think go for that series because it's just like <laughs> it, they're over those Jays fans. Yeah, there's, there's been a bunch of uh, things that come out in the past of. Uh, people saying how they shouldn't let so many Jays fans in. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe you guys should buy more tickets. Exactly. <laughs> and we're going to talk about that now because Marco Gonzalez, uh, he had a few terse words to say about that. Uh, Patrick, <laughs> do you want to get into this? Yeah, absolutely. This this was kind of deserving of a rant, but I decided it was more important to talk about Stan Mikita just because he's a more prominent Canadian mm-hmm. athlete. And Marco Gonzalez is a 26-year-old who... I don't know, maybe you should shut up about certain things sometimes. But uh, he said, uh, I take it personally when a team comes in here and brings their faithful fans in their muddy shoes and stomps on our carpet and takes a dump in our dining room table. I, I mean, Marco Gonzalez, I take issue with this. He might be having a great season on the mound, and even that's kind of arguable. Uh, maybe don't blame road fans for buying tickets to come see your team, because otherwise... Maybe your team might not be around in the long term. Um, maybe you should be blaming somebody else, like maybe ownership, uh, for maybe overcharging the fans or maybe not putting a quality product on the field for a very long time. Can you guys remember the last time Seattle made the playoffs? Uh, I can't remember off the top of my head. When did Shrek 2 I... hit theaters? That was probably right around then. <laughs> exactly. I mean... I'm not trying to like throw shade at the Mariners because I actually like the team and I like the players and I even like the fans. But when they when stupid stuff like this gets said and you're just blaming road fans, uh, especially after taking three L's mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in a series like that, like you can't you can't blame the Jays fans. They're not coming they're not coming in there and taking dumps on your dining room table, dude. Yeah, they're coming in to see the game to spend their money if anything you should want as many of them as possible all the time because the more people who are interested in seattle baseball means that it's more likely that the seattle team is going to stay put and have money to pay players exactly also who is marco gonzalez hanging out because i've never 
had someone walk into my house with muddy shoes and just shit on my kitchen table. Like, wow. that has never happened ever. You might want to get some new friends there, Marco, because <laughs> they don't really do that. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about the baseball on the field, because, sure. again, classic Jays. They'll look awful for two series, and then they'll look like a great baseball team for one series, which likely means for the rest of this week they're going to be junk because... Well, we uh, played Boston, so. Exactly, so we're going to be junk <laughs> against them no matter what. Uh, that 7-3 to win uh, in the first game of the series, it was just nice to get that win after that yeah, awful huge. Oakland series. Uh, Teoscar Hernandez, 4-5, played pretty good. Yeah. Um, what do you think he is going to be like for the rest of the season? Like, do you think he's going to be a guy who's going to get four for five or three for five kind of no. games the rest of the year? Or do you see him kind of fizzling out and this is kind of just a, well, a one-time thing? I think we all expect uh, uh, Teoscar to hit the power uh, stuff. So, I mean, him going four for five when he has a 245 average overall is probably not going to happen very often. Mm-hmm. We're looking at one for four, one or two for five with a couple of strikeouts most games. Um, he's got, he, he strikes out 30% of the time, so we have to expect at least one per game. Uh, I mean, he's hit 16 home runs for us this year. He's doing what we want him to do. So, I mean, if, if he can go four for five every once in a while, yeah, it's a welcome bonus. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like with T.O., with like later in the week, he went 0 for 4, I think, yeah. or something like that, like on the weekend. So, like, we're going to see stuff like that from him. He's not going to hit the baseball every game, but... It seems like when he has like a good game and he's seeing the ball really well, he's just he's he goes out and he crushes it. Mm-hmm. Now, he didn't get a, a home run against Oakland in the seven three win, but it kind of shows where he's like developing like a better set of hands with the bat, maybe better set of eyes as far as like what to take. I think he also might have drawn a couple more walks than he normally does in the last week too, which is really good to kind of see him continuously improve. Uh, his ability to, you know, take pitches and look at stuff at the plate before he swings. Well, let's talk about pitching now because Mike Housechild, <laughs> is it Housechild? Hosschild? It's Housechild. Like, that's how little we know about this guy. Just coming in off the street, six well, innings pitched, four hits, zero earned runs, five Ks. I mean, did anyone know who this guy was before <laughs> last week? <laughs> I honestly can say that <laughs> no. I, as much knowledge as I have on on. AAA players. <laughs> I have no idea who Mike Housechild no. was. <laughs> but, I mean, he looked pretty good. Do you think he should get a couple more starts, Patrick? Or do you think that maybe, okay, let's move him to the bullpen and maybe start him once in a while? Yeah, I mean, I he definitely earned his next start uh, whenever that is. I'm not sure if he's starting against Boston or not. But he probably is because we just don't have anything else. But yeah. <laughs> It's just crazy to me to think of like a player who I don't even know was he even in AAA. I mean, he got released by Houston. So then... yeah, um, he was with Houston's AAA team, I believe, up until like sometime last week, even. So I mean, it, let me check. I'll I'll look that up right now, as we yeah. See. While you're looking it up, I just want to give a little update. Um, Marcus Stroman is three innings in against the Red Sox. He hasn't given up a hit. Um, he hasn't walked anybody. Oh, he walked one. He walked Xander Bogarts, and he's struck out two. So yeah. good on, good on uh, Marcus Stroman for coming out with his good stuff against Boston yeah, tonight. And, and while Patrick was stalling, I looked up Mike Housechild's last game with Houston in their minor league system. His last game there was July twenty sixth. So he was on. He was. I think he had to pass through waivers or something before we uh, signed him. 
because he he liked it yeah. he liked it for free agency and obviously we are in dire straits right now with in terms of mm-hmm. long relief and starting so we picked him up like half an hour literally before the game started yeah. and he came in off the street <laughs> and threw six short innings for us he's i have he's a never question for you guys pitcher, sorry so I'm, I'm i'm not expecting him to stick around and do anything really um we'll see him make maybe one start here and then if all goes well we might not need him if aaron sanchez ever figures it out and gets back he won't so we will see more of mike house trout so that's awesome uh what was your question bud uh, well, just thinking about like the fact that they emergency very quickly called up Mike Housechild. What does that say about their faith in Jaime Garcia and Joe Biagina and anybody else in the bullpen, or even like Sean Reed Foley? I'm pretty sure Sean Reed Foley would have gotten on, you know, uh, a rocket to get to that stadium. Yeah, but he had just you know pitched I mean? like two days prior, so he wasn't available. But there must have been somebody on our team that was available to do a spot yeah. start. Yeah, I, I think at this point, um, management is uh, not tanking, but not trying to win, at, really. So they don't want to give any of these young guys too much of a shot because we might have another Ryan Baraki where he comes out and gives us too many quality starts. Well, why not then throw Jaime <laughs> Garcia or Biagini yeah. in there? I know, because I know, they are I know. just trash this yeah. season. Jaime Garcia, child, yeah. his first couple starts were great, but yeah, he really yeah, he really went downhill quick. Uh, let's talk about Ryan Baraki. He yeah, deserves sure. more talk here because, again, he got his first career win. He was And stellar. it was awesome. Eight innings pitched, uh, four hits, zero earned runs, two Ks. But, I mean, he's not really a strikeout pitcher, is he? No, no, he never has been. No, he never has been. Um, his FIP, I know you love talking about the FIP, Justin, so FIP. I'll let you take that. I love me some FIP. So ERA is sitting at 230. Uh, his FIP is 253. And his XFIP is still high because, as we keep saying every week, he hasn't given up a home run yet. No. So that's sitting at 429. So, I mean, uh, until he gives up a home run or two or something happens, that FIP's going to remain high. Uh, likely we'll see. I think his, his ERA is probably closer to a 3. Um, all things evened out, which is still very, very good. Mm-hmm. Um, if he was qualified for the ERA race, he'd be somewhere in the top 10 right now. Uh, if, if he had pitched enough innings, he'll start game three against Boston. Mm-hmm. And Housechild is getting the start tomorrow. So that's going to be fun. Oh, sweet. Patrick, Ryan Barucki, or you like to call him Show Rocky. Um, what do you think <laughs> so far this season? Would you put him There's... like really, really high on your list of pitchers for the Jays right now? Uh, yeah, I would. He's an absolute must start every time it's his turn in the rotation at this point. Uh, he needs to get as many innings as he can in. This is kind of like his rookie season, but yeah. not really, where he's just getting shoved into the lineup. He's going to eat up a lot of innings here in the final stretch of the season. Mm-hmm. Correct me if I'm wrong, but he kind of reminds me a little bit of Mark Burley in that he has great <laughs> ability to generate contact that's not not very hard yeah uh, he's not gonna like strike out a lot mm-hmm. uh he probably does need to work a little bit more on his heat because uh, it's probably a good idea for him to generate more k's but he just has very good command of his stuff right now and this first time around playing these teams they don't know how to handle him yeah it's it's funny that you mentioned burley because he is a chicago native and he wears mark burley's number 56 yeah, 56 Jeez, because of about. because of mark yeah. burley so which is pretty cool. And I, I think that's probably why we see him pitch the way he does. I mean, Mark Billy was never a big strikeout never. guy. And he used his defense. And we've seen we've seen Barucki 
um, like uh, his opponents are batting like they have a 305 bat up against him, which is league average. So he's he's not as long as he's not giving up contact, he's just giving up enough um, soft to medium contact that guys aren't getting a bunch of line drive base hits. Yeah, and and towering home run balls like we've seen other pitchers in, on our team give up this season. Uh, Looking at you, be a genie and Clippard. Uh, <laughs> and, and besides that one rough start against Boston. He hasn't gone fewer than six innings. Hmm. And he went three innings against Boston, and every other start's at least six. He's got two sevens, three sixes, and an eight. So, I mean, he's giving us quality start after quality start. So, uh, we, we've got to look at this kid as um, our most major league ready prospect at this point because we've seen him have some success so yeah. far. We may see him get rocked as the season goes on. He's got another month or another month and a half or two months ish to play some teams a second time through. So if, we'll see what happens if he faces in the, a team for a second time if they kind of make some adjustments to him um, and see how he handles that because he'll make adjustments too. He seems like he's a very uh, big student of the game, which I do like. There was a nice piece that the, the, that the Jays did on him, a little video on Twitter when they were in uh, Chicago to play the White Sox. Mm-hmm. And it was it was pretty cool how he, he said that he, em- he tries to emulate what Mark Burley did. It would have been really cool to see this kid play with Mark Burley if he was a few years older or Mark Burley was a few years younger because that would have been kind of a like a dream come true sort of thing for him and be cool to see him play with his idol. Yeah, as long as he's not walking people, it doesn't matter yeah. if he's not striking people out. Yeah, exactly. Because, again, he'll allow a bunch of hits, yeah. but as long as he's not walking people, those guys aren't advancing because they're not on base. Yeah. Um, Patrick, I'll ask you this question. Would you rather see Ryan Barucki, Marcus Stroman, or Aaron Sanchez in the rotation next year? You can only pick one. Out of all of those guys, who would you pick? Oof. That's a tough question because we have such a limited sample size for Baraki. <laughs> yeah. Assuming that nothing happens. What, what's that? Do you gamble on him or do you go with Stroman, the safe guy, or Sanchez, who's also another kind of gamble because he's always hurt? Um, I'm going to spicy take for this week. I would take Ryan Baraki. What I'm seeing from him right now is exactly what I loved about Mark Burley. Mm-hmm. And I can't say enough. This kid, he's very smart. Yeah. He knows exactly what he needs to do out there, and he's got this level of precision that I think is very like burly esque. And I feel like we're I'm really like hammering that point home, <laughs> but it's really what I like the most about him. Yeah. Would you say Ryan Brocky is the brightest star in our pitching rotation, Justin, right now? In terms looking of in, looking for the looking excitement, in the excitement, I'm very excited from of what I've seen from Barucky. Um, if I still have to pick one of those three guys, I'm taking Stroman still hmm. just because of the track record and the, the fact that he's an elite ground ball pitcher. Um, Baraki will give up. He's kind of like a Mark Billy. Exactly. I, I, it's crazy how similar they are. Like he gives up a fair share of fly balls, but they're yeah. all weak. It's kind of like how we saw Marco Estrada get a bunch of weak fly balls those couple of years where he was stellar for us. Um, and we'll get to him in a minute, but I, I like Stroman purely for the fact that he keeps the ball down and he also uses his defense. Like we got to have pitchers that'll use the defense. Like Stroh isn't an elite strikeout pitcher either. No. By any means he strikes out less than eight per nine innings, which in today's day and age is, is not much. It's not bad. It's, a, it's less than a strikeout per inning. Mm-hmm. And we've, we've seen, we see stars like uh, uh, Kershaw are in the double digits every time out kind of thing. Um, so I'm I'm still taking Stroh, but Baraki's definitely ahead of Aaron Sanchez right now, just based on the fact that Aaron can't stay healthy. Yeah, 
All right, other quick yeah. notes from uh, that game. Uh, Ryan Brucky's win, Gritchick, four for five. His yeah. average is at 230. Good for him He's because, yep. man, was it low before. <laughs> um, Travis, two for four with a home run, three RBIs. He's kind of coming around, but again, he'll probably have a setback or something like that. And again, Russell Martin, two for four with a homer, 196 average. Um, the game after that, Marco Estrada, again, getting a Very big win well. for the Jays, five yeah. to one. Uh, he won seven innings. Um, he walked two, struck out four. Do you really care about Marco Estrada at this point in time in the season? Yeah. Do you think he's going to be back next year? So is no. this like, okay, or is this kind of like, hey, we're out anyway. Marco Estrada's done with the team. So do you really kind of be like, oh, he pitched well. Good for us. So the reason that I care about Marco Estrada pitching well is because he can still be moved at the waiver deadline. Good point. Anytime prior to August 31st. So the more starts we can see of Marco Estrada, like the one he put together this past weekend, the better for us. Um, his ground ball rate is just so low this year. It's 25%. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, we've seen him be good at times. And more so recently, his changeup has looked better, in my opinion, just from watching. Yeah. Um, he's getting guys to swing and miss on it again, which they were not earlier in the season. So if he can continue to uh, generate that weak contact that we saw of him do against the Mariners, we only give up one hit over seven. I mean, yeah, I look at him as a guy who, if there's a team who has a starter go down in this next couple of weeks, that he could be a guy that they look at to grab. And I mean, we, we, we're not going to get much for him because he is a, f- a pending free agent, mm-hmm. and a team's going to get maybe six weeks out of him plus playoffs if they pick him up now. So, I mean, we're not going to get much, but we'll get something. Patrick, do you agree? Marco Estrada, do you really care about his starts anymore? Like, if he does well, or... Um, I, I don't care about like what he's contributing to the team. I do care about him as trade value, but I'm starting to suspect that for Marco, something was going on this year that got in his head for whatever reason. And what, because when he's on, he's as good as he ever was. Yeah. But when he's not on, it's just like, he's just a mess. He's had such a long stretch where he was bad, that I'm starting to think that either some kind of injury or something got in his head and he just couldn't shake it. I'd love to see what his numbers look like since the All-Star break to see if it was after the break where he started to kind of figure out what was going wrong because he might have only had one or maybe two starts since then, but I know that he shut down the Mariners and he looked really good. So, yeah, yeah. Other quick good, notes. good for him. Other quick notes from that game. Gritchick, uh, two for four. Again, he's killing it. I've always said good things about Gritchy on this podcast because, I don't know, I just have a soft spot for him. Pilar, <laughs> two for four. All those middle-of-the-road kind of guys we have who are kind of good hitters, kind of not good hitters. They yeah. had a great series against Seattle. They really, really showed up. Uh, Russell Martin, one for four, 197. You're almost there, bud. Uh, and again, Devin Travis, two for three. Uh, he's starting to hit the ball well. Uh, again, is Devin Travis kind of like... A Marco Estrada situation right now where, hey, he's probably not going to be on our team next year. Do you care if he's playing well? We're not really going to trade him for much. Like Devin Travis is going to be on our team. Um, he's hit a, he's hit a two-run home run against Boston to give us an early lead. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's batting uh, since the All-Star break, if I can find that. I just had it, but I clicked off of it because I'm an idiot. Uh, While you're talking about that, I do want to talk season, a little yeah. bit about Russell Martin because – I know, like, we have trashed him, I have trashed (laughs) him a number of times on the podcast, (laughs) and it's nice to see him find a little bit more consistency at the plate, but 
I I still think if you can't bat 200 in MLB, you shouldn't be there. Agreed. And even though Martin brings a ton of tangible, like intangibles to the team, and nobody can really call a better game than he can, that's currently you know on our roster. I think we're seeing the very end of the Russell Martin era here in Toronto, whether or not he gets DFA'd or traded to a team that just desperately needs some kind of backup catcher and we're willing to eat salary. I think, I think his days are, are coming to an end very soon. I hope they don't DFA him. I hope that's not the way it ends in Toronto. If that was the case, I'd be really mad at the Blue Jay brass because that's greasy. He was there right when the team started to turn it around in the playoffs and stuff, and he's been great with their young pitching. That would be a real greasy move because, again, it's not like Luke Maley's killing it either. It's not like you can just make that to like make that as an excuse. Well, Luke Maley's playing well, so we'll send him down. No, I would not like that. As much, again, as we have bashed Russell Martin – you still got a soft spot for him. I don't think there's any world in which our two catchers at the start of next season aren't Russell Martin and Danny Jansen. Luke Maley's the odd man out here mm-hmm. just because he can't teach Danny Jansen like Russell Martin can. We're going to see almost an even split, to start, at least to start the season, I believe, next year between Jansen and Martin um, as, as Jansen slowly works his way in. And if he has success, he's going to take that starter's job and he's going to run with it. I think we buy out Russell Martin. I don't know why. I have a feeling we'll keep Maley, and I have a feeling we'll keep Danny Jansen. Oh, Danny and Jansen's I think they'll split time. The oh, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. Of course he is. But I don't know why. I just I just don't see Russell Martin here next year. Um, let's talk about the loss. Joe Biagini. Um, <laughs> really, really bad. Our favorite uh, guy on the show. His ERA is 666, so it's... that's a bad sign. Um, <laughs> he's just he's not what he used to be. And I know that's a Toby Keith song, but he's just... (laughs) What happened? At the start of his Blue Jay career, he was killing it. And he was a big, strong guy. He was funny in interviews. He just seemed like a really, really fan-favorite kind of guy. And then something happened where he just doesn't have the stuff anymore. Yeah, so Biagini in the Seattle series got into two games, ending in two-thirds, faced nine batters, gave up five hits, three home runs out of the nine batters that he faced. The home runs is what worries me the most. It's killing him. Like, He's not keeping the ball down. It seems like almost every time he gives an earned run, it's because of a home run. And I'm looking back at his game logs, and there's about two occurrences in the past ten times that he hasn't given up, that he's given up an earned run that haven't been via the long ball. Mm-hmm. So, I mean... When he's getting hit, he's leaving the ball up and they're knocking it out of the park. And that's yeah. not what you want from a relief pitcher. That's for damn sure. The opposite of that, Edwin Diaz. Um, <laughs> Patrick, touch on this closer oh, because he's got 41 saves. Do you think, like, you're right down here. You wrote down here. Is he the Mariners MVP, even though he's like a closer? It's a tough case to, to make whenever you want to try to claim that a closer is a team's MVP. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if we can say, like, just because he, he has a limited number of innings pitched where he's collected these saves. Um, I think the answer to the question is yes, a closer can be a team's MVP. I don't think Edwin Diaz is the Mariners MVP, but it's an interesting case because he has been, he is, he was an all-star, was he not? Yeah, I believe yeah. so. Yeah, he was an all-star. He, 41 saves and there's still how many games left? He uh, might hit 50. He might yeah, even get to 60. He could. Like, I mean, Seattle, there's a lot of potential. Yeah. Seattle plays in a lot of close games. Like, they're, I think they're 17 games above 500 right now, but they have a negative run, run differential. Oof. They, they have an ungodly number in those one-run games. It's kind of like how Texas was mm-hmm. the year that we swept them in the DS, the year after the comeback. Yeah. Um, 
they they they're going to squeak in. They're not even, they're not even in a playoff spot anymore. If I if I'm correct. Um, yeah, Oakland I think is bounced. Oakland mm-hmm. has Oakland has taken a two games lead over the Athletics. Oakland's hot. Yeah, so right now Oakland and the Yankees are in the wild card game. Uh, which would be a fun game to watch. The big budget Yankees yeah. versus the low budget A's. I love the A's. Straight out of a movie. <laughs> I like um, Edwin Diaz. I don't think he's an MVP because he's not having one of those like Eric Gagne-esque seasons. <sighs> like when I think of MVP closer, I think of Gagne. Because yeah. Gagne was electric he's when he was out there for the Dodgers. Year, he is having a great year, but is there a, like, a lot of MLB hype around Edwin Diaz? Or is it just kind of no. baseball people? Because when Eric Gagne was having his season... It wasn't just baseball people. It was all yeah, sports people was, were talking about Eric Gagne. It was goggles, are, man. Are all, uh, <laughs> is all the sports world talking about Edwin Diaz? No, but no. I think we should look at oh. him more. <laughs> I agree. I think the problem is that he's playing in a baseball market that kind of hates their own team. Yeah. I mean, the owner ownership in Seattle, we just talked about this, uh, isn't exactly fond of the team, it seems, because yeah. they don't seem to put the same kind of effort that – uh, Mariners fans and Mariners players deserve. Yeah. That being said, if you look down the roster of pitchers and hitters on Seattle, it's hard not to look at him and say he's the MVP of the team because if it's not him, is it going to be Marco Gonzalez? Probably not. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's been he's been good, but not great. Is it James Paxton? Well, I mean, he's only played in 22 games and he's only had. Uh, slightly more than half of those be quality starts. I yeah. mean, they're it's like they're doing it with a rotation of guys who are all good but not great. Well, and then when you look at their their batters, um, if you look at it, like is it Nelson Cruz? Well, Nelson Cruz is batting two sixty nine. His offensive WAR is only two point four. It's not MVP caliber. No. It, I guess it might be Mitch Haniger. Yeah, Haniger's having a good season. That's the thing is like it's it's like it's a team that's got a bunch of good but not great players, and right now in terms of players playing great, Edwin Diaz is like the peak closer in my opinion in MLB because he's just every time he goes out there he gets it done. He's only blown three saves. I think the Mariners are a lot like us where they have a new wave of players coming in. And you can kind of sense that the old guard's kind of going away yeah, and that the new Felix guard is, is kind of coming in to take over. Uh, did we miss anything in the week that was, gentlemen? Any other uh, players or points you want to talk about here? I got one from the Mariners series. Sure. That streaker who uh, streaked on the field <laughs> got it for $80. That's how much he got paid. $80 to streak on the field. He might get deported. Yeah. Because they hate streakers in the States. Like, if you streak in the United States... You are going to get a where huge was, where fine. Was he You're going to get Ireland, uh, something like that. Because Irish, city, yeah. Irish because he's, he might get deported. How much would it take for you guys to have to streak at a baseball game? Um, Realistically, the guarantee that I would not get caught. Fifty percent chance you don't get caught. There's got to uh, be some no. risk. It's got to be. It's got to be hundred percent. I'll not, give you eighty. I'm not doing it for for less than hundred percent. Okay, hundred <laughs> percent. What would you do it then? I would just I would just do it. If there was hundred percent, I wouldn't get caught. No why money. I oh, need not? some money. I would. You. I would need some money. Come on. <laughs> I need a guarantee. <laughs> I want to give one shout out uh, to our boy Randall Gritchuk because his WRC plus it's at 102. Boys, nice. He's better than a replacement player. Nice, uh, Patrick. Anything else in the week that was? 
Uh, nope. I'm pretty sure that uh, J.D. Martinez just cranked a ball there, and this What's game that? is 2-1 uh, still yeah. for the Jays, but sound like uh, the, Sox, the Sox have two on and one out in the fourth, so the Stroman, the Stroh show so. is over, and now it's time for the Boston Bats to uh, start clobbering <laughs> our boy. Let's talk a bit more about that Boston series and the Tampa series, uh, the week ahead here. Yeah. Um, I know that the game is technically going right now, so we can be a little biased on it, but uh, how do you think this Red Sox series is going to go? Do you think we can play spoiler, or are the Red Sox just too hot, Patrick? I'm going to say that we go two and four for the for the week. I think we're going to take two from the Red Sox, Ooh. and it's going to be today, and it'll be show Rockies uh, start. Although I do think Hoschild is going to go out and maybe maybe surprise us a little bit with what he's capable of. Uh, Just that Boston team is way too good. But I say we take two or three from the Red Sox, and then we get swept by Tampa because Tampa. I think (laughs) we do three and three, and if it was in Tampa, I would have to agree we'd get swept by Tampa. I think we win one against Boston, probably the one tonight, or maybe Baraki started, I don't know, and then we take two or three at Tampa. We can play Tampa at home. We just can't play Tampa on the road. Yeah, we're going to be lucky to win two games. That's basically opinion. the moral of the story for the rest of the season. Now we'll be lucky to win two games this week. We're... If we take a game every series we play, and I think we have to give ourselves a huge The thing the is, like, this is what being a Blue Jay fan used to be at this time of the year. It's like, all right, yeah. who's coming up? Who do we got? Who do we this, got in September? Who's this McGowan uh-huh. character? Let's see what he has here. Oh, yeah. let's see if Drabeck can get the job Sean done. Sean Markham. Uh, that's what it's kind of like right now. Oh, this Baraki guy. Let's see what he can do. You know, yeah. we just kind of focus on one pitcher or player and – uh, go from there. Uh, let's talk about uh, some non-Blue Jay stuff, shall we? We sure. like to do that from time to time. I mean, we started the show with Stan Makita. Um, we're talking about some Hall of Fame snubs mm-hmm. because I don't know about you guys, but this past um, Hall of Fame class might have been like the best class almost ever. Do you guys agree with that? Before we get into the snubs, do you think that this class was one of the best ones of all time? Um, it, it's one of the best in recent memory. <laughs> Um, anytime you have Vladimir Guerrero going in, that's Chipper Jones, pretty Jim cool. Tomey, Trevor Hoffman, who was like the man back in the day for yeah, the Padres. See, I, I, yeah, Chipper Jones, the best switch hitter ever, 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 I think. And obviously the first year on the ballot, same with Tomey, uh, Vladdy in his second year and then Hoffman in his third year. So you have guys that haven't been on the ballot very long. Mm-hmm. Um, as much as I... Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I don't like closing. I don't think how saves is a big thing. I mean, okay. You can be a good relief pitcher without getting a bunch of saves. It takes a special guy to pitch in those high-leverage situations. Yeah. But there are a ton of relievers um, that have been better than a lot of closers who are just, they've shut down guys. But they don't get the respect that, that Trevor Hoffman will because of the sheer amount of saves yeah. he had. And good for him for being so good for so long. Same with Jim Tomey. And, yeah, and Mariano Rivera, too, another guy who will be in, mm-hmm. who's got... He's the best closer of all time. So, I mean, if Trevor Hoffman's in, you ought to assume Rivera isn't going to follow pretty quickly. The thing I like about this class is they're all kind of from the same era, you know, that yeah. uh, early 80s, 90s, yeah. early 2000s Very era. Like Jim Tomey was around forever. Chipper Jones was around forever. Same with Vladdy and Hoffman. And I know they weren't on the ballot a long time, but that just, that to me makes it awesome because they're all like legends and they're all in the same class. There's not True. like a different generational player in there where you're like, ah, oh, they played in a different time, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Do you agree with that, Patrick? Like, do you like it when 
um, a class has a bunch of people from the same era? Or do you like to change it up, like guys from the 50s and guys from the 80s and stuff like that? We did get a little bit of uh, of a mix this year with, I mean, uh, obviously Vladdy, Hoffman, Jones, uh, and Tomei are all from the same era, but we did get Jack Morris and Alan Trammell, both from yeah. the Detroit Tigers from True. the 80s, uh, getting into the Hall of Fame. They both got in through the Veterans Association, and yeah. that just, it was, it was good that it happened because they both kind of got screwed a little bit when it it came to the voting uh, yeah. when it was their turn. Um, I, if you look back at the last like five years, they're like the five best Hall of Fame classes ever. Mm-hmm. I mean, even 2014 had Tom Glavin and Greg Maddox and Frank Thomas. So good. Yeah, that's and then, cool. and then two of the best managers of all time, Tony Larusa and Joe Torre. Yeah, like, I, I, I mean, and we saw guys this year. I mean, we saw Roger Clemens and Barry Bonds get. Uh, 57.3 and 56.4 of the vote respectively so i mean in those guys they're sixth and seventh or seventh and eighth on the list this year in terms of vote percentage Mm -hmm. i mean i think the writers are starting to come around to some of these other guys but i want to talk about our boy larry walker who's still waiting it was his eighth year of eligibility and he got 34.1 percent like larry's got to get in there man like we're definitely going to talk to talk yeah. about Larry when yeah. we talk about Hall Larry of Fame Walker stuff. has just as good of stats as Jim Tomey. So, and the reason we're talking about this <laughs> is because uh, it's 11 years to the day that Bonds hit number 756. Yeah. Um, that was one of the best baseball moments at the time before we <laughs> knew that Barry Bonds fans. was juiced beyond belief. Yeah. Um, and he is arguably the biggest snub of all time in Major League Baseball. Yeah. It's between him and Pete Rose. So we're going to talk Bonds about Rose. We're going to talk too. about exactly that. You yeah. would put Pete Rose above Barry Bonds. No, Barry Bonds. You would above put Pete Bonds Rose. over Pete Rose. Yeah. See, for me it's the opposite. How is Pete Rose not in the Baseball Hall of Fame? He's an asshole. Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah, a lot of assholes are in the Baseball Hall of Fame, man. A lot uh, of assholes exist everywhere. Yeah. Doesn't mean he wasn't a good baseball player. And the thing we saw this, we saw a bunch of good guys get into the Hall this year. Um Oh, we've been spoiled the last five years. Yeah, you look at the list. It's like all of those, of good the dudes, nicest like, uh, dudes ever to play yeah. baseball. Yeah, Craig Biggio got in finally a couple yeah. of seasons ago. Um, yeah, I, I, can we talk about Edgar Martinez? Because he finished just outside of the vote this year, mm-hmm. 70.4%. Uh, good enough for fifth place behind Hoffman, 79.9. What year was that? His him? ninth year of eligibility. Hmm. So and I think he has he's, 15? I think there's, they have 15, right? Yeah, yeah it's 15. Yeah. So he's still got a, a few more years to crack at it. Do you guys think Victor Martinez is, or Edgar Martinez sorry, as a DH is a Hall of Famer? Definitely not Victor yeah. Martinez, that's yeah, for sure. Yeah, definitely not Victor Martinez. <laughs> um, yeah, Edgar, no. If he's just Absolutely. a DH, no. Yeah, and that's, uh, that's my problem too. I mean, he has some of the stats... Like his OPS is actually three points higher than Chippers, but does that mean he should be in? He couldn't. Chipper Jones played third base. Exactly. Edgar Martinez was a DH. Exactly. Hardly saw the field. I disagree completely. You think oh, he should be in there? Absolutely, he should be yeah. in there. His lifetime batting average is three twelve. Yeah, but can you? And that's catch over two thousand games. Baseball is such a versatile game, though. Yeah, it's it's tough. I mean. It's the same argument for me. Like we're gonna be doing the same thing when David Ortiz gets in in his first year in a, in a few seasons. How he because he's probably gonna make it first ballot. Yeah. Because of who he was. But when you think about it, I, I 
I'm, I'm not sure off the top of my head, but Edgar Martinez and, Victor, and David Ortiz probably have very similar stats. Does Edgar have any huge moments like David Ortiz has? No. That might be it right there. <laughs> I think that's why David Ortiz. Does playoff performance have an impact on the Hall of Fame, do you think, Patrick? Yes, it yeah. does. Oh, and definitely. this is the problem that that is uh, the case of Edgar Martinez is that when you look back on his career, mm-hmm. uh, there's not a hell of a lot of uh, big moments uh, in his career that sort of justify him getting that extra extra push into the hall. But when you look at the the stats on paper, uh, the dude is a bona fide hitting champion. I mean, career 312 batting average, OBP of 418. Um, his career WRC plus 147. Um, he's also got 300 home runs, uh, 1,200 RBIs. Um, he definitely slow along the base path, but uh, he was also a seven-time All-Star, which is really hard to do when you're a DH because pretty much anybody could do that. Mm-hmm. He also won the batting title twice. He won the... Uh, a silver slugger a bunch he like he's got the credentials the problem is there's no big moments in his career that really kind of push him yeah you know further up in the uh, in the list the same way that david ortiz will have when his first year comes well, the, up it's a one-dimensional the thing about edgar martinez and guys like him and Gary Sheffield and Fred McGriff and kind of in between guys like that, yeah. you know, again, they have great stats and they have the resume, the all-star games, the gold gloves, all that stuff, but they're just not like the, the super star-ness to yeah, them. Yeah, when I you think, think of missing. superstar, you think of Chipper Jones. You like, exactly. Of... And like guys like Pete Rose, that's <laughs> why they're bigger snubs than guys like Edgar Martinez. Because yeah. again, Pete Rose, there's more to it. There's yeah. not just his, because like, if it was just based on baseball, he would be in. He would be a first ballot Hall of Famer, but it's because of the gambling. And I think when you mm-hmm. look at guys like Pete mm-hmm. Rose and Shoeless Joe Jackson and Barry Bonds and McGuire, um, I think those are the bigger snubs because of the things they did off the baseball field. Because on the baseball field, they're Hall of Famers. Yeah. But off the baseball field, that's why they're not in. How much would that bother you if you are a Hall of Fame type of player and the only reason you're not in the Hall of Fame is because something you did off the field, even if it was cheating? It sucks. I mean, yeah, I mean, with Shoeless Joe, that whole Black Sox scandal thing, I've done some reading on it over the Mm -hmm. years kind of thing and books and whatnot. And I mean... There's, it's so far gone. Like I mean, there's obviously there's no CSI and that kind of thing like we have today. That's fancy technology to figure out who was and wasn't involved. Yeah. But I mean, it's 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 fully it's never been fully confirmed that he was one of the guys. They say he took money, but it was never really to say like if he was like a guy who said "give me money or I'll rat you out" kind of yeah. guy, or mm-hmm. if he was actually uh, complicit in the whole thing. I mean. I think he should be in the Hall of Fame just Easily. purely based on on-field performance. Mm-hmm. It sucks because we talk about how like cheating in any sport is frowned upon. Yeah. And I mean there there's been a, a ton of cases throughout the years of like people who may or may not have cheated who still are not in the Hall of Fame in, in respect of sports because of that kind of stigma of they may be a cheater. They might not be the the kind of hero that they uh are drawn up to be by their stats. Mhm. Yeah, I, I have a lot to say about Shoeless Joe yeah. Jackson when it comes to how bad the snub is. I think this is the biggest snub, not only in baseball, but it's the biggest snub in sports, period. 
Yeah. We're talking about a guy who was so good. If you go back and look at his performance, the guy was like an MVP every year that he played. Mm-hmm. And he didn't even play that long sure. because his career got cut short because he got banned. And then he had to play in, you know, barnstorming leagues where he could, but he was never the same after the Black Sox scandal. But that mm-hmm. being said, uh, Shula Show Jackson was at in at his peak before the scandal, an American icon bigger than, you know, any other baseball player at that time. He was he was the star of baseball, bigger than um, the Christian gentleman, bigger than Honus Wagner, bigger than you know Ty Cobb. He was he was like the face of baseball, and that's how hard people took it when they found out that he was likely a but not 100 percent confirmed a part of the black Sox scandal that yeah. we're talking about a hundred year old ban his his child if he had children they're gone his grandchildren are probably in their you know 70s or 80s if he even has any living relatives left the memory of him playing out on the field has passed out of living memory i mean he it should be a veterans committee consensus that mm-hmm. Joe Jackson goes in and what better time to do it than 2020 100 years after uh the Black Sox scandal yeah, just, I'm I'm calling it now it. calling the shot <laughs> he's going to get in in 2020 and it'll be a consensus by the veterans committee well right. let's talk about uh guys on PEDs for a while uh the big sure. one of course um on a pitching standpoint, Roger Clemens. Yeah. Roger Clemens, again, former Jay, won two songs of the Jays. When you think of dominant pitchers, you think of Roger Clemens. I mean, mm-hmm. he was on that Simpsons episode of the slow pitch team. Yeah. That's when you know you're a very good baseball player. <laughs> um, Clemens, I think, deserves to be in there because I think PEDs for pitchers are different than PEDs for hitters. How so? I just think PEDs have a more of an effect on hitters than they would pitchers. I know that it would probably add, like, again, taking PEDs for pitchers, uh, a lot of velocity on your fastball, but, like, mm-hmm. does it affect the curve on your curveball, the amount that your slider goes down, you know? Like, is is are the PEDs going to your fingers? I mean, they're usually just going for your shoulder and your arm. For guys who do it to hit the long ball, I mean, you're going to have a huge difference. Yeah. So that's why I kind of think, okay, Clemens, maybe give him a break. I know it's PEDs. I know that's a very sensitive topic when it comes to baseball, but that's why I think Clemens deserves to go in there. I mean, PEDs for a pitcher. Sure. It's going to make his fastball faster, but his fastball was already fast. So maybe that does make it a little more (laughs) greasy, but I just think that PEDs for pitchers, maybe you should have them. Maybe you should view them differently than guys who are hitters. Do you think that's fair guys or no? I think the biggest issue that, the writers and fans in general have with these guys is how do you measure them against people who didn't use PEDs? Like True. What, what's the, what's the multiplier or something on stats to kind of make all things equal. Mm-hmm. And, and we, we don't have that. And I think that's the, that's part of the issue is that when you know someone cheats, um, you can usually have a way of proving what their advantage was. But with PEDs, we don't really have like a scientific or, statistical number to say how much better it made them or if it made them better at all maybe mm-hmm. they were just maybe that's all natural ability and the PEDs were kind of a placebo thing and they didn't actually improve their performance whatsoever like who really knows for sure I'm not a scientist by any means so I can't comment on that what do you think Patrick 
Uh, I don't know. I've wrestled with this yeah, thought for a, a very long game. time. It's hard to say. I mean, I would be absolutely fine if they decided nobody on PED should ever get into the hall or let them all in. It yeah. doesn't really matter. I think what matters at the end of the day is, did Roger Clemens lie under oath about being on PEDs? I mean, did he lie about taking performance-enhancing drugs? Is he a liar? And is he a cheater? And... How much does character matter when it comes to inducting a player into the Hall of Fame uh, when they've had such an outstanding career? I, I think it does account for something, and that's why does. Kurt Schilling isn't in the Hall of Fame, because mm-hmm. he's a total asshole. Yeah. Um, Pete Rose is also an asshole, but yeah. he also bet on baseball, which was has been considered for over 100 years to be the biggest taboo that you can possibly do. Yeah. Fix it, fixing games. And yeah. that's why Pete Rose isn't in the Hall of that's Fame. That's why Shoeless Joe's not but, either, exactly, yeah. Exactly. Unlike uh, Shoeless Joe, though, Pete Rose hasn't had to wait 100 years. Yeah. I don't think Pete's going to go into the Hall of Fame as long as he's alive. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if the, you know, the year that he passes away, he gets in through Veterans Committee consensus just because y- you should be punished for breaking the rules. And right. Pete Rose's punishment has not been long enough. So you think the punishment is kind of him never being able to go to his induction ceremony? Uh, I think considering what they've done to Shoeless Joe Jackson and a number of other players who bet on baseball or uh, cheated on the same level before, yeah. I, I think I think it's 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 fair to say, um, you know, a hundred year waiver or long enough that he just passes out of living memory to the point where uh, it, you can quietly induct him. And, you know, the sanctity of the Hall of Fame kind of continues where the best players are there. Right. It's just the hype doesn't exist behind them getting in because n- nobody who was alive to watch them play either cares or is able to remember or is alive. Okay, sure. what's a bigger deal for guys who take PEDs? The fact that they took PEDs or for the guys who lied about taking PEDs? What would you Lying say? Lying about taking PEDs is way worse than yeah. taking PD, PEDs and admit it. Remember when Raphael Palmero yeah. like, lied multiple times? That's why he will never make the Hall of Fame because so he lied so many times. Would you say that maybe someday guys who admitted that they take PEDs kind of have the Pete Rose scenario where, hey, maybe we'll induct you a lot later on for a Legends kind of thing. Maybe we'll have a separate category for you guys. I think that would be kind of cool. Guy like the asterisk category of the cool Hall of Fame, like you know? A separate hall with like, all these guys. Yeah, there's a little, like, shed in the backyard or something, you know? <laughs> yeah. uh, but do you think the guys that who lied about taking PEDs, do you think there would ever be a chance for them? I don't think there should be. I mean, if you did something wrong, just admit it. I think if you own up to it, it's still shitty. Yeah. If you own up to it and you're trying to better yourself, I'm not saying you should go into the Hall of Fame, but you have to consider it at least. Uh, if you're lying about it, I think it's just an automatic no. It shows that you have some morsel of character left inside of you mm-hmm. and human decency that you can say, yeah, I screwed up, but I'm sorry. Yeah. And if I'm not sorry, just tell us you did it. Mm-hmm. And we can accept, at least accept that we have a, like a, a definite we know. answer. Mm-hmm. 
and then we can maybe move on, mm-hmm. right? It's it's not this it's this whole thing about Roger Clemens. So I think Mr. McNamee misremembers <laughs> about injecting with yeah uh, injecting me with some PEDs. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know how that's true, Roger, but no. yeah, at least you tried. <laughs> uh, we made a big list here. Um, yeah. Well, you guys did. Um, <laughs> Patrick did. <laughs> I mean, McGuire, Sosa. Um, Mike Mussina, Tommy John, out of all the uh, names we have here, maybe some that aren't on here, uh, go through a couple, uh, not too long or anything like that, but go yeah. through a couple that you think should maybe be, if not in the Hall of Fame, considered to be in the Hall of Fame. Um, well, Go ahead, Patrick. I would say right off the bat, I would say of this list, um, I would immediately induct without waiting Shoeless Joe Jackson. Mm-hmm. Uh, Other would than the wait, guys we've I talked would... about. What's that? Other than the guys we've talked about already. Because I okay. think we can all agree almost all the guys, like Shoeless Joe and Pete Rose, there's, oh, there's a good case to put them in. What about guys who you just kind of think, you know, like that are kind of close to your heart that you think deserve to be in there? Oh, Lee Smith should absolutely be in the Hall of Fame. Oh, okay. It's ridiculous that he's not. See, that's what I'm saying. It's... Like guys that maybe like aren't like huge household names Closers. to a bunch of baseball fans, e- you know? <laughs> Closers get a, a bum rap yeah, because of their role. I think... If you look at what Lee Smith was able to accomplish at a time before the Trevor Hoffmans and the Mariano Rivera's, uh, he's kind of he's a contemporary of guys like Dennis Eckersley, who's in the Hall of Fame. Lee Smith should absolutely be in the Hall of Fame, and it makes no sense to me that he's not. He it's ridiculous. If you look at his numbers, he he was just incredible. He was he was, he was do- good. <laughs> He he had a role. He played it yeah. as well as anybody had before Mariano Rivera and Trevor Hoffman and Dennis Eckersley and Goose Gossage. I, I, there's another name. I'm not sure if he's in the hall or not. Goose Gossage. I think he is, but think Goose is, there's yeah. a there's there's a very large precedent for closers getting into the hall. And Lee Smith really he belongs in there. The other two that I was thinking about when I wrote this list were Oral Hershiser and Mike Mussina. Mm-hmm. There are guys who get overshadowed by the Andy Pettits, the Roger Clemens, the, you know, the other 300 win pitchers like Tom Glavin and uh, uh, Greg Maddox. And then other guys like John Smoltz, who are just absolute dominating pitchers during, you know, the 80s and the 90s. And those guys get lost in the shuffle. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure exactly why with those two, but... There's there's a long list of pitchers who had great careers that just didn't get in. Uh, Jim Cat is another one. Yeah. We mentioned him a few weeks ago on the podcast. Kitty Cat, he should definitely be in the hall. Justin, Larry Walker, do you want to make your case for him? Yeah, see, the, the thing I have with Larry is, I mean, the guy... <laughs> he's going to get... He always does like the, oh, the whole Coors thing. He played mm-hmm. with the Rockies. He was good before and after that. I mean... And he played out. He also played good defense too. He he was an average defender over his career, but I mean, an average defender who was at the kind of offensive numbers that he did should be in the Hall of Fame. It's it's honestly a crime, in my opinion, that he's not. His best season. Yep. Let me just read out his stat line to you: 127 games. This is 99. 37 home runs, 108 ribbies, or 108 runs, 115 ribbies. He stole 11 bases. Um. Sorry, I'm looking at the wrong year. My God, his best season was 97 when he actually hit 49 homers and stole 33 bases. 
So, I mean, he hit power and speed. Mm-hmm. Was that with the Espo? Or no, that was, was, with the, that was the Rockies. Yeah. But he scored Rock- 143 yeah. runs and drove in 130 that year. And the crazy thing about Larry is that his career his career uh, strikeout rate, 15.3%, and his mm. career walk rate is 11.4. So, I mean, he was a guy who was a power hitter, but he didn't strike out a ton, and he walked a decent amount. And I, I, his career on base is 400. Not bad. And his slugging is 565. So, I mean... I, as WRC plus or his career is 140, which is a Hall of Fame number um, for any other player, really. Mm-hmm. We saw some guys get in this year that had that number or just below even. Um, interesting that you you pointed out guys like Musina, Patrick. His his, his second year of I'm just gonna tell you his second year of eligibility. The guys who got in: Randy Johnson, Pedro Martinez, John Smoltz, and Craig Biggio. And Oof. of those four guys, only Biggio was not his first year. It was his third year. Guys who missed that year, Mike Piazza, also Hall of Fame now. Jeff Bagwell, also Hall of Fame. Tim Raines, also Hall of Fame. And then Alan Trammell got in, um, and that, that was his 14th year of eligibility. He was he finished actually just above Messina that year. Messina finished 14th in voting. So, I mean, that, that was just a hell of a year. The, the thing with Messina is I think he will get in, um, it's just, he's got to get a year where there's maybe a weaker class yeah. or it gets closer to the end of his years of eligibility before they will vote him in. He's moved up every year. Like he finished sixth this year. So I think next year we'll see him and God, I hope Larry Walker gets in soon. Um, he's already in his eighth year, but he, he had his highest percentage this season. So I think maybe people are starting to warm up to our boy, Larry. I think mine's Larry too. It, it's gotta be Larry. It's gotta be Larry. I mean, it just as a. A Canadian too. Gotta love Larry. If you look at his stats, they pass the eyeball test for sure. Oh, big time. You look at them and you say, How is a three thirteen career hitter with a four hundred OVP who had a thousand plus runs yeah. scored, a thousand plus RBIs, uh, and almost four hundred home runs, how are they not in the Hall of Fame? It doesn't make any yeah. sense. He had a higher he but, has a higher OPS than any of the four guys who made it in or the three guys who made it in this year. Yeah, he was just an incredible batter, beast. and he also played good defense, yeah. too. <laughs> and it's just like another thing for us to think about, and I want to throw over to Clayton because he hasn't gotten a lot uh, a chance to talk. How much of an impact do does the game or life outside the game have on the probability of your induction? Because there are guys like Dwight Gooden who had great careers, but his career was mired in, you know, the cocaine scandal. And there were other guys like um, Keith Hernandez who had some drug issues. And obviously, like, PEDs. Where do you land as far as, like, what happens off the field and its impact I was going to say, voting? for Dwight Gooden, um, everyone was basically doing cocaine in Major League <laughs> Baseball in the 70s and 80s. So it's tough to put him in that category because Dwight Gooden was... Hall of Fame-esque. He might be one of those on-the-fence guys like we were talking about Edgar Martinez and Fred McGriff. He might be a little on the fence about that because, Mm -hmm. again, you don't Mm -hmm. think of like these huge, awesome seasons that Dwight Gooden have. You think of him as, again, a very, very good pitcher, but, again, the first thing that always comes to mind, oh, yeah, the drug scandal, stuff like that. Uh, Keith Hernandez, you got to love his defense. He was awesome at defense. He was on Seinfeld once. Um, But, yeah, again, that off-the-field stuff... I think for other sports, maybe, but I think for baseball, with all the PED stuff mm-hmm. and the Pete Rose, the Shoeless Joe Jackson, all the other scandals that baseball seems to have, 
I think the drug stuff and the party stuff doesn't seem to matter as much as other Hall of Fames. And sure. I know maybe the NFL with, again, like Terrell Owens, but Terrell yeah. Owens never really had drug stuff. It was, it was just, just he was very outspoken, yeah. no personality. So I think in baseball, that kind of off-the-field stuff affects you more because baseball is the classic game. You can't mess with tradition, you know. It's yep. America's pastime. But I think that, again, as we get later on in life, I think that the PED guys will eventually get to get in. Mm-hmm. I think the off-the-field issue guys will eventually get to get in. But it's just the fact that baseball is so classic and traditionalist that right now they're not. Yeah, I have one more guy that I want to touch on who we talked about a ton of like controversial guys today. Mm-hmm. One guy who was never really involved in controversy, our boy Carlos Delgado. I was going to say Carlos, too, with he Larry Walker. lasted just, one year on the ballot. Yeah. So he got 3.8% of the vote. Mm-hmm. You need five to stick around. He's arguably the best player in in my memory mm-hmm. to not like, even survive more than one year on the on the ballot. Mm-hmm. Carlos Delgado, Patrick, <laughs> what about you? Yeah, it's it's funny when I put this list together, I wasn't thinking of Carlos at all because we had talked about him just the previous week. Yeah, but l- looking back, he probably should have been in like the top three in my mind because. He, he's our boy from the Jays, yeah. from, you know, mm-hmm. some of the down years. And, boy, he just had – he had such incredible ability at the plate. And it really is – it's like this perfect storm of events had to happen in order for him to get that snub. But it happened. Yeah. He's off the ballot, and he may never get into the Hall of Fame, and that's crazy. It's mm-hmm. sad for a guy with 473 homers and a 929 OPS that he couldn't even get 5% of the vote. It's weird. <laughs> Let's end on Carlos Delgado, yeah. friends, because... We can all be sad about Carlos Delgado. Exactly. Well, kind of ending on a sad note. <laughs> but it's Carlos Delgado, so it doesn't matter. Uh, episode 10, home games on the road in the books. Uh, thanks for listening. Again, special shout-out to Montana. Why not? Um, on Facebook, look us up. On Twitter, BFMD Podcast. SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play Music. Share it on your Facebook page if you like it. Retweet it. Do whatever. I don't care. Uh, you do you. Uh, for Patrick, for Justin... My name's Clayton. Um, Thanks for listening. Bat Flips and Maple Dips. We'll see you next Tuesday.